So good evening. I'm Kevin. This is Kelly. Our last name is Mines. Looks like Mains, but it's Mines. We are, um, we're glad to be here with you guys tonight. It's really good to be here with you guys. We've been married 15 years. There's our crew. Um, three kiddos, Tanner, Avery, and Luke. Um, and you'll hear kind of as we go on with our story that um, the picture in itself, you know, it might look pretty, it might look like, um, you know, a staged deal, but, um, you was. know, yeah, exactly. It is, it is only by God's grace and God's blessings that we're able to, one, be here with you guys tonight, and two, show you a picture of our family as it exists tonight. So you'll, you'll hear more of that as we go on with our story, but... Um, you know, we're, we don't know what you come in here with. We realize that this is a busy time of year, a stressful time, and you're bringing all sorts of stuff into this room, both inside and outside of your marriage. Um, but we're excited that you've made your marriage a priority and that you're here to invest in your marriage, and it's so worthwhile. And Kelly and I walked into these doors probably about um, eight years ago or so uh, to go through reengage. So there's a special place in our heart for this ministry and, and what goes on here, and more importantly, what God can do in your marriage. And so um, if you're here tonight and if you're like us, you were looking for some degree of hope when you came in here, and we hope that you find it. So we've been praying for you guys, and that's our hope and our prayer. So I never liked it when people would stand up here or sit up here and just read to me, uh, but that's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> I think it'll go better for all of us if, if I stick to the script, so... I grew up in a large family as the fourth of five children in a very loving and healthy home. We weren't without our problems and stressors, and we were far from perfect, but my parents did a great job of always putting faith and family first. Growing up, I would call our home a religious home, which led me to believe in a very works-based relationship with God. For me personally, this led to an exhausting cycle of practicing my faith by going through the motions messing up with all sorts of sin, and then repenting and starting over again. This cycle continued through college and through graduate school um, and was marked by unhealthy relationships and really living solely for myself. Then in 1999, God started really working on my heart. I began to question what I believed, why I believed it. I began meeting with some good friends I had grown up with in a Bible study. And I remember noticing these guys were not just talking the talk, but they were walking the walk, uh, and I liked it. So God was in the process of changing my heart and calling me into a deeper relationship with him. Hi, everybody. So thank you again for having us here tonight. Uh, so I grew up the youngest in a family of four with my parents divorcing when I was three due to my father being unfaithful after 22 years of marriage. I always said I grew up in a Christian home, but I really didn't understand what that truly meant or looked like at the time. My mom and I would go to church occasionally, but that was about it. I gave my life to Christ when I was 12, but I didn't grasp that actu what that actually meant until I was in college. And college was a great time of growing in my faith and living out what being a believer looks like. I was surrounded by women of faith and it became clear to me how much I loved learning who Christ is. I attended a Baptist church in Lubbock and was plugged into their student ministry. I lived at home after college, started an internship, and quickly got connected into a women's Bible study. This was a very sweet time of life, learning who I was, how I grew, how I grew up, what my family dynamics looked like, and living out my beliefs in a very worldly city. So Kelly and I met back in work in 1999, and as I got to know her, I knew there was something different about her, and I was intrigued. 
So on our first date, mm-hmm. we prayed together before our meal, and that had never happened before, but uh, I loved it. So we got engaged eight months after dating and then got married in 2001. We were both believers when we got married, but I had no idea what it meant to be a godly husband and did not know what it meant to love and to lead her well. Early in our marriage, we went through the fairly typical cycle. We had a lot of fun together. We bought our first home. We had a lot of great friends we'd hang out with. We helped start a new church and serve there regularly. And then we began having children. I would have said that we got along really well and we didn't fight much at all. I thought at the time we had a pretty healthy relationship. So as Kevin mentioned, we met at work. My first perception was that he was a nice guy. He made me laugh, sure, but his beliefs weren't aligned with mine, so that was that. We worked together for about six months before we had our first date, which I did not call it that at the time. Uh, That night out, we talked about life, what we liked, and our families. It was a great date. Over time, I realized that he was a believer, and then he was seeking what that relationship looked like with some good guy friends that he was in a Bible study with. We started hanging out more, had a ton of fun together, and it quickly went from liking this guy to loving him, something I had never experienced in a dating relationship prior. The cliche was that it truly did feel different. During the time we dated, through our engagement, and even early on in our marriage, we didn't have any fights or disagreements per se, but we also never talked about anything of true importance, like our struggles, our fears, or our expectations. I didn't know the first thing about what he had issues or struggles with, and I was very naive. We set no boundaries within our marriage, and I was extremely passive when it came to how I felt about things. Over time, things did get stale, but I just thought it was because we were busy, we had young kids, we worked full time, and that was life. Never once did I think we should talk about any of this. We just went through the motions, isolated, and did our own thing. Kevin was not a horrible husband by any means. We had lost our second child through a stillbirth, and it actually brought us very close together. As time marched ahead, though, we got stuck in a rut and had a really hard time of connecting. So about seven years into the marriage, and that's not a coincidence, it just probably is, but you, know, you hear the seven-year itch, but it just happened to be it was about the seven-year mark. As she mentioned, we kind of got stuck into a daily grind, and it looked like this. Um, we'd wake up, get the kids ready for daycare, drop them off, and then both go to work ourselves. At the end of the day, we'd pick the kids up, come home, eat dinner. One of us would clean up the kitchen while the other one bathed the kids. And then by that time, we were exhausted, and we'd put the kids to bed, and then she and I would go to bed disconnected and wake up just to do it all over again. So like I said, we had our share of fun times and good memories, but that cycle would continue till about the end of 2007. I probably would have said at that time that my relationship with God was okay, But in hindsight, I was incredibly distant from him, so much so that I didn't see the storm that was up ahead. Around that same time, I had begun a relationship with a gal at work, and the two of us started working out together in the mornings. This quickly developed into a deeper emotional connection, and I found myself becoming more and more excited at both pursuing and being pursued by another woman. As the connection grew deeper, I remember naively thinking that nothing could or would ever happen because she was married and so was I. After a few months, it did become physical. The physical affair lasted a few more months and ended shortly before I left work to return to school in May of 2008. I remember thinking that I would leave that secret behind and do my best to just move on. I wrestled for several months with what to do with this sin I had committed and was hiding from Kelly. It made me physically and emotionally ill, yet I continued to hide it from her. 
I wanted to tell her, but I was afraid that I would lose her and our children. It all came crashing down one evening with a phone call. Kelly received a call that night from the husband of the gal with whom I had the affair. He had just found out about the affair himself and called Kelly to tell her everything that he knew. I wasn't home at the time, but Kelly quickly called me and told me the news she had just heard. I then went home scared to death of the uncertainty that awaited me. So things got much worse before they even got a little bit better. And hear me when I say that. Uh, Although I didn't mention divorce, uh, I was not present emotionally or spiritually and even physically in our marriage. I dealt with trying to do it all on my own and I isolated big time. I wasn't home much. I didn't care to be home much. I drank too much to numb anything at all that I was feeling and spent time with other people who were definitely not spurring me on. I was angry and sad, yet I wanted desperately to forgive. I just didn't know what that looked like. I struggled with worldly emotions, yet wanted to be a good wife and a good mother, but I could not shake the fact that this had happened to us, to me, and I was deeply hurt. We had started re-engaging in another church, but I really wasn't ready for that, and it wasn't very authentic. No one knew our story, and we never felt compelled to discuss it. The following March after disclosure in July, we came here to re-engage at Watermark. And it was at that point that I felt like this is where the Lord wanted us. People were standing up sharing their stories of redemption and reconciliation, and I was overwhelmed with what I was hearing. I wanted that more than anything. As we dug in, things started to improve, although things were not great, and re-engage allowed us to be ourselves and share in a safe environment. Also, it was through the process this process that Kevin began seeking God's word daily. I saw him changing by what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life. He started leading us well, leading the kids well, and became more involved at home. And this allowed me to let down my guard and truly learn to trust him again. My thought process began changing. It didn't happen overnight and things were still really hard and I was far from perfect. But as things began changing on his end, things on my end started changing as well. Again, it took me a very long time to work through my sin and emotions on my end. I had to change how my relationships looked, and I needed to dig deeper and get in the Word more to want to be invested in my marriage again. I learned what drawing the circle truly meant. I had to also take ownership in our mess and figure out all over again how the Lord wanted me to be in our marriage and what my role as a wife was, which I really never had learned. Through the heartache of all that happened, Kevin's dad had passed away from ALS and my mom passed away all within 15 months of each other during this time frame. And this too was a huge part of still dealing with some pain. And to add this on top of everything else we were doing, it was a really, really difficult season. I had to trust his ultimate plan. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So over the course of time, as we continue to work in our marriage, God completely changed my heart and changed our marriage. It was a long and difficult road, but I remember our pastor at the time sharing a verse with us that kind of became our anthem, Romans 8, 28. He reminded me that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, not just good things, but in bad things too. I've had to work through a lot of shame and guilt associated with my unfaithfulness, Even now, if I let myself dwell on the past, I can get caught up in some of that negative thinking, and the shame and the guilt will resurface. But most importantly now in my life, 
I have made Christ the most important thing. I love the lyrics to a popular Christian song that says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. I've become a more fully devoted follower of Christ, and that has trickled down and affected every other part of my life. In particular, my marriage has changed. I realize now what it means to be a godly husband and how to lead Kelly well. I realize now how fortunate I am to have a godly wife who loves me and is committed and was committed to our wedding vows. No longer are we living in isolation. I have a group of guys around me that asks me tough questions and holds me to a higher standard. I've learned how to lead our kids better. Kelly and I spend time intentionally connecting with each other. We enjoy each other. We make time for date nights and actively pursue each other. We're not perfect, but Ecclesiastes 9.9 now rings true in our marriage where it says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Our marriage now is better than it's ever been, spiritually, emotionally, and yes, even physically. So as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Our marriage is now in a place I never thought possible. And I can honestly say that if I could go back and change things, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change a thing. I know that's crazy, but it's true. I would without a doubt marry Kevin all over again. I wouldn't wish that pain or our story on anyone, but there is absolutely no doubt that this has changed our trajectory forever. Our kids' lives will forever be changed as well because of what the Lord is doing in each of our lives and our marriage. Gary Thomas writes in his book, Sacred Influence, a good marriage doesn't happen by accident and a good marriage isn't maintained by accident. Both are the work of the Holy Spirit and the foundation of Jesus and his unchangeable truth in the life of two sinners who are married. Everybody loves a story, right? From when we were young, we loved to hear stories. Our kids love to hear stories. And even now, we are drawn to stories, especially true ones. We love movies that are based on a true story, especially when there's a happy ending. And you often hear people saying, have you heard their story? For the longest time, I didn't want my story to be one of infidelity and brokenness. And it took me a while, but I realized later that that wasn't our story. Our story is one of redemption and healing, and it tells what God can do in your life and in your marriage if you just let him. That's the story. So we don't know what you're going through right now. We don't know what you bring in here. Um, but we do know that if you choose to let God into your life and into your marriage, he can completely redeem it and take it to a place you never thought possible. It sounds cliche, I know that, but it's true. God is still very much in the business of changing lives and changing marriages, and that can be your story. Well, what I think I would want you to walk away with tonight is to truly believe that Christ knows what you're going through. He understands your pain, he knows your heart, and he won't let you go. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 reads, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There's a song out today by an artist named Danny Goki, and the song is called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. And it struck me as I listened to the words recently that it's exactly how I felt when all of this was happening in our marriage. So fast forward almost seven years later, eight years later, and I'm going to not sing the song because you would all scatter, 
But I'm going to read um, a little bit of the song to you. And it says, uh, You're shattered like you've never been before. The life you knew in a thousand pieces on the floor. And words fall short in times like these when this world drives you to your knees. You think you're never going to get back to the you you used to be. Tell your heart to beat again. Close your eyes and breathe it in. Let the shadows fall away. Step into the light of grace. Yesterday's a closing door. You don't live there anymore. So say goodbye to where you've been and tell your heart to beat again. I know many of you feel like he has given up on you or your spouse, but I promise you that he has not. The people in this room and in your small groups are here for you. And there is no mistake why you're here tonight or you've been placed in a group that you're in. Dig in, pray, be authentic, and tell your story. I promise that you will not be disappointed. So we thought we'd kind of end with this. This is a picture of our three kiddos. And, um, you know, when, when we think back to the, you just heard our story, right? When we think back to what could have been, when the storm hit our marriage, we, um, you know, we had a choice. Each of us had a choice. And she, I wanted in and she wanted in. And so, you, you know, we, we both wanted in the marriage. None of us wanted out. Um, and so two things really had to happen. We, we had to make that decision. And then um, we had to allow God to, to change it and redeem it and restore it. And so we look back at, at these kiddos. And you think about if we had listened to the world, if we had, and even, even many, many counselors that would have said, that's crazy. You should get a divorce. Uh, that's grounds for a divorce. Um, and you think about how that picture would have changed. Um, first of all, Luke, the youngest one, would not have been born. Um, the other two would be in a broken home. And um, there's no telling um, what, what would have been had we not made that choice and allowed God to redeem our marriage. And so I don't know if your story might be like ours. The, the, the circumstances might be like them. Um, the situation might be different. But uh, if you make that choice and just allow God to work in your lives and work in your marriage, um, he can redeem it and restore it. So thanks. Thanks for having us. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the leaders here at Reengage. And so if it's your first time here, uh, yeah, welcome. Really glad you guys are here. Um, been doing this long enough to know. Uh, that sometimes people connect dots in ways that they were not intended. So uh, to be real clear, when Kelly said, hey, I would not change a thing uh, about that, okay? What she was not saying is, hey, you know, if your marriage is in a bad place, give an affair a try, put it back together, and, uh, you know, maybe that'll uh, work out well for you. She did not say that, okay? And uh, she would tell you there's lots of other ways, lots of other ways that they could have, things they could have done to pursue oneness. But uh, what she was saying is even as painful as that was, right, she wouldn't trade, uh, if she had the choice between pain or status quo, um, she wouldn't, she wouldn't uh, consider any other trade, okay? So that's, that's what she was saying, and you can uh, save yourself lots of heartache. These guys uh, fight diligently with our premarrieds, uh, invest there, um, you know, week after week after week, uh, so they don't end up in the same place. But if that's where you are, hey man, uh, there is grace and you can uh, be rock stars in the marriage ministry uh, someday.